0: You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee Podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's our podcast. Good morning, everybody. Um, okay. well, um, sorry, I always got to get situated here. Does anybody else have like the two phone system? Anybody else on that? You got a few, like one work phone and one personal phone? Am I the only one? We got one, one. I, how do you like it? I hate it. I absolutely hate it, right? Um, it, it's absolutely terrible. You have like, you're talking with your boss on this phone using like a, uh, like an earpiece. An ear, you got your buds in and you're talking to your boss and you're referencing a spreadsheet on the same phone And then you're reading a text from your wife on this phone and what you have to do. And then you realize who's driving. Oh, I am. I'm driving. This is a bad idea, right? bad idea. (laughs) Two phone system. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. So listen, here's what we're going to do today. Today, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit and then, um, and then, we're going to do a practice. We're going to do a little exercise, not physical exercise. We're going to do a little spiritual exercise, and then I'm going to have a few questions for you, and then we're going to worship and pray. Does that sound like a good idea? We're kinda of do the worship and prayer thing of it simultaneously. Cool? Okay. Well, you can't say no, so I don't even know what I'm asking. Um, but like the two-phone thing is crazy. We get, we get so busy, and we get so hurried, don't we? We get so hurried. have you looked at your calendar lately? December calendar? Is it filled with a rainbow of fruit flavors of all the different colors and activities that you have to do in the month of December? Am I the only one? No, yes? Yeah. I need a little bit, I need a little bit from you today, okay, yeah, you've got, who's got full calendars? Yeah, everyone in this room has full calendars this season. It's the busy season. Um, our life is so packed that things don't even, some of our life is so packed that things don't even make it on the calendar. And you're like, oh, I forgot, I have this thing. And you've got to cram it in and try to shove it in between the two events that you had planned. Dallas Willard, famous author, theologian, philosopher, once called uh, hurry the great enemy of spiritual life in our day and urged followers of Jesus to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. See, both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Corey Timboon once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. Both sin and busyness have exact the same effect. They cut off our connection to God, to other people, and our souls. We don't often think this is how the devil's agenda would be in our life. But in my experience, the number one threat to people's spiritual life is just a lack of time, right? A lack of time. People are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. What do people normally answer when you say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, Yeah, I'm okay, but oh man, I'm really busy. I'm really busy. I'm just so busy. Oh, we've got a lot going on. You know, you know how it is. You've got kids. You know how it is, right? Granted, there is a healthy kind of busyness, right, where your life is full of things that matter, that are essential. Those are things that you have to do. And by that definition, Jesus himself was busy. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do. And the only way to keep up is to hurry, is to hurry. And hurry is, complete, is, is, is incompatible with the life in Jesus' kingdom. In, his, in the kingdom of uh, economy, it doesn't fit, right? What is the highest value in the kingdom of economy? It's love. It's love. Jesus made it crystal clear that the highest value in his economy is love. But love is painfully time-consuming, painfully time-consuming. And if you're a parent in the room or you're you're a couple and you've been dating for a while or or you've had long-term friendships, you know that there is no shortcut to love. There's no shortcuts. There's no life hack. There's uh, hurry and love are oil and water. They do not mix. All of my worst moments as a father, a husband, a pastor, a social worker, a human being are when I'm in a hurry. You're late for an appointment, you're behind on some unrealistic to-do list that you put for yourself or maybe someone made for you. You're trying to cram in too much in the day, and then I ooze anger, tension. I become critical, frustrated, the very opposite of love. Now, if you don't believe me, have you ever tried to transition with a family? Have you ever tried to transition with a you know You know what I'm talking about, you parents in the room. You're running late. You have kids. They need things. Uh, there are supplies that you have to bring depending on the stage of life that your child is in. Everyone has a different agenda and a different expectation of what time really means. Some of you are like in your head are going, preach. Like I just experienced that this morning. Like a Sunday is classic, right? But it doesn't feel and look like love when we do that. When you are packing up the car to visit your family like maybe you will do in a a week or so for Christmas and and, and you're, you're all running late and there's no more room in the car for anything, not even your youngest child. You're trying to cram them in as well. it's it's now taken everything you can to fit everyone in the car, and and you finally get everyone in there, and you realize it's lunchtime, and you're like, well, we have to eat. Well, we just packed the car, and we just got everyone in the car, and we have a seven-hour trip, but now we have to eat. Oh, and by the way, we have to go to the bank, and we have to go to the grocery store, and we have to stop at CVS to pick up medication. And then you drive around the city of Milwaukee for over an hour just before you go on your seven-hour trip, and you're going, oh, my gosh! Like this is awful, we're hurrying all over the place and we're getting nowhere. You spend the first seven hours of your trip just driving around, getting no closer to your destination. In that moment, I'm not really feeling love. I don't know, have you ever experienced that? All those emotions, those hurrying and you're not really feeling love. You're agitated, you're angry, you're barking and glaring. The Apostle Paul defines love as patient. There's a reason people talk about walking with God, not running with God. It's because God is love. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a kind of speed um, that is separate from your device. It's a slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds, since it is the speed of love. The same is true for joy and peace. Two of the other like core realities of the kingdom that we've talked about in the last two weeks love, joy, and peace are the heart of the kingdom. All three are more than just emotions. They're overall conditions of the heart. They aren't just pleasant feelings. They are the kinds of of people we become through our apprenticeship, our discipleship to Jesus. And all three are incompatible with hurry. Think of joy. If there's a secret of happiness, it's simple. It's being present in the moment. In the moment. I don't know if anyone's here a World Cup fan or has been watching that at all. Um, but I, I saw an example of this, and I know the game's going on right now. And I know Argentina was up 2-0 at one point. Oh, it's 2-2. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Someone's watching it here. 2-2. Um, oh, it's a game. But the game before, when Argentina was playing... And and they won to qualify to make this, this game today. There was a shot of Messi, and he's on the field, and all, all the players are going nuts, you know. They're like high fiving, and every the crowd's going crazy. And there's this one shot of Messi, and he's literally just soaking it all in. He's he's not taking selfies. He's not even, he's not even cheering yet with his teammate. He's in the he's in like a the middle of the field, and he's just absorbing it all. He's being totally present to the moment. Totally present to the moment. The more present we are to the now, the more grateful we are for what it is, the more we tap into joy. And it doesn't have to be a big moment like that. Like, we just enter the world of club volleyball, uh, ben has, Ben, yeah, Ben has made, we've been busted on the Wessels for years about their club volleyball world, and schedules, and driving everywhere, now we're in it, and uh, we're eating our words, um, but um, Ben had his first, like, scrimmage game, kind of, and and um, so we went, it was a big deal, you know, for, you know, getting, got the uniform on, it was awesome, and I want to talk about just a little moment. It just needs to be a little moment. I witnessed a little moment, and I was so glad that I was present to notice it. Uh, It had nothing to do with the volleyball game. Ben was on the sideline. He looked at his mom. He smiled. Rebecca smiled back, and they shared this little moment. I don't even know what they were smiling about, but I immediately felt it because I was present. I was present to what was happening in the moment. It gave me joy to witness this little moment of them exchanging smiles. What about peace? I don't really need to make a case for peace and hurry. Think of when you're in a hurry for the next event, running behind or late for a flight. Do you feel the deep shalom of God in your soul? <laughs> no, you don't. Grounded, present sense of calm and well being? No. Love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soul of your life, and all three are incompatible with hurry. It's interesting, though, because in our culture, slow is an insult, isn't it? It's an insult. When someone says you have a low IQ, what do we call them? Slow. When the service at the restaurant is lousy, we call it slow. When a movie is boring or a sermon is putting you to sleep, we complain that it is slow, right? Um, Webster's Dictionary says, uh, for the definition of slow, mentally dull, stupid, naturally inert or sluggish, lacking in readiness, promptness or willingness. The message is really clear. Slow is bad. Fast is good. But in the upside down kingdom of God our value system is turned on its head. Hurry is actually of the devil. It's evil. Slow is of Jesus and is good because Jesus is love, joy, peace. It's what it looks like in flesh and blood. We simply cannot live with Jesus in this kingdom and life and live a life of speed. We're formed in the power of love. So, today, what I want to do is I want to take this opportunity to slow everyone down in the room. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little exercise. And it's not yoga, it's not slow yoga, it's not hot yoga, none of that. You can do that on Monday. Today, what we're going to do is I'm going to read a scripture verse. And it's kind of a lengthy one, but I want to read it. I just want you to be in the moment and just listen, okay? And then I'm going to read it again. And this time, and we've done this, if you've been in this church for a while, you know what I'm going to say. You're going to listen to something that may shimmer or may pop or rise up or bubble up in you that's sort of highlighted in that scripture, and I want you to just hold on to it, just hold on to it, and we're going to do this slow, and then after I've read the scripture twice, I'm going to ask you a few questions, we're going to take some time, I'm going to let you think about them, if you have a paper and pen and you'd like to write down the answers to those questions, you can do it, you can think about whatever you want to do, okay, pretty clear, so I'm going to read it, just absorb it, let it wash over you, then I'm going to read it again, look for something that's going to highlight or shimmer for you, then I'm going to ask you some questions. While I do that, I'm going to ask Greg to come up. I, some people don't like this. I do, so we're going to do it my way. Um, I, I like a little background music when I do this. I, I, I don't know if many of you, as we do some of these exercises and we talk about them, um, there's an app, it's really great, it's Pray As You Go, and I love it, I use it every morning. Yeah, yeah, John, that's good, John set, John's all about the mood, look at him. All right, okay, we're, we're lowering the lights a little bit, um, but the Pray As You Go app is a great app if you want to pr- do some of these practices, and it has some music playing in the background, and it, it's, it, it really helps me, so, all right, so let's just get into space, get comfortable. This reading from 1st John chapter 4 verse 7 through 21 just pour over you My beloved friends Let us continue to love each other since love comes from God Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God Because God is love So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. This is how we were living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house because at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we loved. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God, ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him, and he in us. He's given us life from his life from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves a continued state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house because at home and mature in us so that we freed of worry of judgment day or standing in the world is identical with Christ. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, is a liar if he won't love the person he can see how can he love the God he can't see the command we have from Christ is blunt loving God includes loving people you've got to love both there was a word or phrase or theme that shimmered for you, I just want you to hold on to that. first question I want to ask you today is where did I experience God's love this week where did you experience God's love hold that experience in your mind next question is, where do I need to experience God's love this coming week? Where do I need to see him and experience that the love, the deep love that he has for me this coming week? final question I want to ask you today is how can I embody God's love this week? How can I take on his love in my very, very being Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com.